0: Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at the new film, Spiral, from the Book of Saw, the uh, Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson vehicle that is the ninth film in the Saw franchise. It's out in theaters right now. Nobody knows about it. There weren't a lot of people in my movie theater. There weren't a lot of people in Andy's movie theater. But we're going to tell you whether or not it's worth your time. We also take a look at uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. The new Netflix feature is Zack Snyder's Return to Horror and his sequel to, what is it, 2012's Dawn of the Dead? Uh, starring Dave Bautista? Oh, no, two, two, 2002? Four 2004? Okay, I knew I was off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, starring Dave Bautista. This is a zombie romp through an apocalyptic Las Vegas. It is two and a half hours long, and we're excited to tell you whether or not it's worth your time. Stick around for that review. We're going to look at some trailers, some things that are coming up, a couple exciting things that have been announced since we've been on hiatus for the past couple weeks, and we're going to talk about the news. First things first, though, Andy, since we took a week off, what else have you been watching? You got Any other movies you've revisited or anything? I'm curious. Yeah,
1: I definitely did some casual viewing. I took time to rewatch The Irishman. Ooh. <laughs> Actually, okay. How'd that, go, how'd that go over? All glorious, three and a half hours. Um, oh, my God, it, yeah, it was good to. I watched it in a, in, a, in a couple of parts, but um, you know, Scorsese just really, he does really know how to do the the gangster epic, and especially this one because it it really does away with kind of glorifying the the lifestyle that crime brings which you know I never thought that he was glorifying cl- crime but he was definitely glorifying the the lifestyle of of being a gangster like the mo- the money the tough guyness um so this is kind of all stripped away from the Irishman and you know it's really great performances and uh, Joe pesci especially incredibly understated like he he's so he does so much with just a look several times throughout the out the, the film it's it's really uh it's really something else it's worth re- revisiting if, if you got the time.
0: Yeah, you watched it in a couple settings, right? Yeah. Uh, how, how many did you split that up into? Because three and a half hours, I mean, that's a hearty...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I it, I think it was in like three.
0: Yeah, that's... And that's it was
1: like, cool. I, w- I watched like 45 minutes one day, and then another day I watched like an hour and a half, that, that sort of thing.
0: Man, I watched something last week, because we had the week off, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is, so if it comes to me during the show, I'll just I'll spring it on you, it'll be great. But otherwise, let's jump into the news. Our first story this week, HBO Max announces new and cheaper ad-supported subscriptions. This is interesting because I did not see HBO offering any kind of cheaper ad-supported model. I I love what they're doing. I think they're one of the best offerings you can get as far as premium content goes, but uh, apparently they think they can do better, right? What's this about?
1: Yeah, so a couple of the other um, streaming services like Hulu and that's the main one that comes to mind, uh, have an ad-supported tier, and what that does is it's usually cheaper but you have to sit through through ads for the content so with hbo max they're going to soon be offering a ad supported platform which will be 9.99 a month which is about five dollars less than what they currently charge but there's also a big difference is that if you get the ad supported version it doesn't have any of the new releases the new hybrid releases so things like godzilla vs kong or uh, mortal kombat those who wish me dead, like the new hybrid releases that are both on HBO max and
0: in theaters will not be on the ad
1: supported version. So that's, so that's a big difference.
0: Personally, I've discovered if I have the option, I would rather pay extra to not watch ads then go the ad supported route but there's a lot of people out there that don't feel that way. I know a ton of people out of Hulu with ads and they're just that's that's the way they do it. Me, I, I can't. I can't anymore. I spent too much time <laughs> watching ads when I was a kid, but I get it. It's worth mentioning uh Warner said here that HBO Max is going to have the lightest ad lo- ad load among ad supported streamers, which include Paramount Plus, Peacock and Hulu, which means the least ads or the shortest ads out of all of them. I don't know how that's going to stack up when it actually launches. I'd be curious to see. Um, So if you do end up signing up for the ad-supported version of HBO, write into the show, would you? Mail at offscorefilmview.com or comment on Facebook, where we stream the show live every Tuesday, and uh, let us know whether or not it's worth your time. Uh, Andy, any chance you're going to check this out? Uh, no, not for this, but I, you know, I was thinking, you know, maybe Hulu cause I
1: don't watch a lot of Hulu, but every now and then there's something I want to see and it'd be convenient to have the service. So in that case, that's something I'm, I might spring for the ad supported version. If it's something that I'm not really watching very much.
0: I'm a little that way with like Paramount plus and Peacock. If it's something I'm really not going to ever get into, maybe I'd try it for a month or two, like just to see. Um, but I like the consumers that have the option by God. So it should be. Our next story Boss Baby 2 to hit theaters and Peacock on the same day. Andy, I thought this movie already came out. This was a this was a pre-paid this is a pre-pandemic announcement, wasn't it? Like I feel like I saw the trailer for this 8 years ago or something. Yeah, I mean it's hard to remember
1: exactly when things were supposed to come out because of the the pandemic and everything, but uh yes, and what's interesting about this is that uh peacock which is i guess nbc's streaming service is taking on this hybrid model which you know we're going to see who how much that sticks around as things kind of get back to normal um but yeah they're going to release both in theaters and on their streaming service and this comes out over the july 4th weekend so it's a perfect kind of release and that's what they've said you know they want families to have the option to you know watch at home or watch in theaters
0: it's funny, man. Like when uh, when Universal pulled this with Trolls World Tour towards the beginning of the pandemic, they released, uh, I think it just went straight to streaming, right? And they said, hey, we're going to start putting our movies out theatrical in the same day. That was an animated film. That was aimed at kids, just like Boss Baby 2. And the CEO of AMC comes out with the hot letter the next day and he's like, hey, you do that and we're never going to run a Universal movie again. Unacceptable. It's not going to happen and Universal walked it back. They 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 took their Trolls World Tour ball and went home. They said, "No, no, no. We'll we'll keep coming to theaters. We won't do same day. Please, AMC, don't kick us out of your theaters. You're the biggest <laughs> shop in town." But now NBC does this. And so far so quiet? I mean, I know this was announced yesterday. Maybe we're still waiting for a letter from Vanity Fair or something from the CEO of AMC, but like I haven't heard anything. And it's a little weird. I don't know if they're planning a strategy or maybe they're working in conjunction with AMC. Like uh oh god, who's 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 doing that? Warner, HBO, somebody is as a deal cut with them. I I, yeah, I don't
1: it's, know. It's I feel hard like to keep it all everybody yeah,
0: everybody's got ideas. It's hard to keep it all straight here. Um do you think how do you think this is gonna go over?
1: I mean, uh, this has proven to be a really big success. And it, the funny thing is theaters thought that if you offer People the option to go to watch at home. They won't go to the theater or you'll have less people in the theater. And this is actually proving kind of the opposite. When you do a hybrid release, it actually gets more people in theaters, which is really counterintuitive. But I think it just gets more people to see the movie, which I think just makes more people talk about the movie and spread and said, oh, I enjoyed this. And then I think it just gets more people interested in the movie. And then so more people go to to both. But it's been a positive thing for theaters.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think for, for animated films aimed at like little kids, this is a no brainer, man. Like what's easier taking your kid to a theater and buying them $20 and snacks or keeping it at home where you can just hit play 18 times and they can just watch it over and over and over again. Like it's, there's not, there's nothing to it. It's the reason Disney plus is making is has a $30 premium video on demand model for their new features. Cause they know this stuff works. Families love it. Good for universal. I, I, I hope more people do this. I really do. I love going to the theater. I don't want to put them out of business. But at the same time, the consumer should have the choice, by God. That's what I think, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, Boss <laughs> Baby 2 is coming out July 2nd. It will feature Alec Baldwin as the uh, our, our head Boss Baby. It's going to be called Boss Baby Family Business. Oh, man. We're not going to review it on this show. I don't it's think.
1: It's going to make a billion dollars, you know. It's like. gonna,
0: oh, I'm sure. It will make more money uh, than, than uh, the next movie we're talking about here. in our Stories. Our last story this week. Spiral. Pushes the Saw franchise past $1 billion at the global box office. We're going to talk about Spiral in just a second, I swear. before we get there, let's talk about how much money it's making. Uh, Spiral's actually doing okay at the, uh, at the box office. Believe it or not, this movie costs like $40 million to make. Which, for what it's worth, and this is worth mentioning before the Saw review, is the highest budget Saw film so far. And it's the ninth one in the franchise. So we'll talk about that in a second. But what's what's going on andy how how is this thing making so much money when nobody's at the, at the theater well it's just the franchise
1: itself is what's crossed a billion dollars nine mm. films almost uh you know 15 16 years in the making um and uh, you know according to this article from variety it's kind of bomb proof it's review proof it's critic proof it's audience proof like yeah um it doesn't score well you know with audiences or with critics, but it has uh, devoted fans, and they they turn out to see it every time, and they make so much money off such small budgets. The first one famously was made for a million dollars, made over a hundred million dollars in in uh, in revenue. So it's and they all tend to be like that, and that's horror movies in general. They generally have much smaller budgets, but can be really big hits.
0: Yeah, um, I'm definitely surprised to see this is doing so well. Um, one, I guess I'm surprised by the budget. You'd think $40 million would not get you Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock in a movie, um, but it does. Uh, it also gets you, you know, torture effects and stuff. That's a thing in Saw movies. Uh, and, and for the film proper, like I said, we'll talk about it in a second, but for what it's worth, you know, good for the saw movies, I guess the review proof thing does scare me. Cause it's, it's a little true. These movies average like 30% on Rotten Tomatoes on a good day. And they're still cranking out tons of money. Most of the films before this one in the series were like one to $20 million. They're like nothing. I think the first film was under a million dollars. Um, and they they just immediately turn out profit every time. Is a reason Blumhouse is making so many horror movies. This stuff really does work. It's 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 bananas. Yeah, I mean horror horror it just has its own
1: niche where it can it can be so many things, and it can be bad, you know, because a lot of the reason you go to a horror movie is like for fun, for scares. So it doesn't have to really be the greatest movie ever.
0: Right. It really doesn't. In, in fact, I think a lot of people kind of expect this stuff to be a little cheesy and a little hokey. That's that's kind of part of the point. Um, you don't have to have good drama. You don't have to have particularly good acting. Uh, you just got to have some decent scares, right? Some good editing and a director with a head on their shoulders, and boom, you got yourself a profit. Simple, small gains, but over time, you can build a studio out of it. Right. Hmm. Anyway, congrats uh, for this to the Saw franchise for clearing one billion dollars at the global box office. Big accomplishment. That being said, I think it's time we jump into the movie proper. Uh, I'm going to be taking the summary on this one. The movie is Spiral. This package just came in. So, Spiral is the story of, he's not quite a rookie cop, but young cop Chris Rock working down at the station that his dad used to head up, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, back when he was police chief. Some things have been going wrong at the local cop station. Uh, Really, there's some crooked cops. It's a problem. Uh, We're not in the City of Angels or New York. I don't think it says specifically where we are. None of the Saw movies do. Fun fact, they all take place in a fictional fictional city. Um, But we're in a city with crooked cops, and there is a Jigsaw copycat. A killer out there, a serial killer on the loose, who's killing people in ways similar to Jigsaw from the previous 8-Saw movies. If you haven't seen any of those, a a very quick explanation. Uh, Jigsaw is a serial killer who puts people in these crazy, torturous traps to try to elicit some kind of horrifying response from them mm-hmm. to either like remove a limb or hurt themselves in yeah. order to get How out of How much blood
1: will you spill to stay alive? Yes,
0: exactly. There's some kind of morality thing to it. Really. Most people ascribe it as like essentially, you know, light torture porn for people to watch at the movie theater and spiral definitely falls into that, uh, uh, that category as well. This is from the book of saw. The script was written by Chris Rock uh, and he, he penned it himself and sent it to Lionsgate and they were like, Hey, we like this. He said, I can get Sam Jackson on board. They greenlit the movie. And now it is Chris Rock's job to run around this city and find this jigsaw copycat before it's too late and every cop is eliminated and and, and the riots are running rampant in the street. The movie is Spiral. Andy, what did you think of the film? Well, before we get into that, I think
1: I need to share my very unique viewing experience. I absolutely
0: think you need to share your unique viewing experience. Please do.
1: we probably should have actually opened with this. So I went. I was down in, in Houston last week, and I went to uh, to see this on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and so I go and I buy a thirteen dollar hot dog, and, and I get my ticket and I go to sit down. I get about halfway through the movie, about 40, 45 minutes in, and the picture just cuts out. And the picture cut out like right when a door closed, and so I thought it was like part of the uh, right part of the bit. Yeah, I was like, oh, Something you know, like- you're gonna. Yeah. He, hear what's going on but then it, it lasted for a couple of minutes and i was like i think the picture just went out eventually someone got up and went to you know tried to talk to a manager nothing happened eventually like 10 minutes go by no one's come to fix a picture and i'm just listening to the soundtrack um so to make a long story short i eventually just uh left and got a refund uh since it wasn't wor- uh you know it like 15 minutes had gone by and yeah. no one ever came to fix it so and i i didn't really have time to like sit and have someone like restart it uh so anyways uh that was my experience so i've only actually seen half the movie and (laughs) amc completely fumbled this bag and just it was an advertisement of why
0: this should have been streamed at home for those of you out there who don't record any podcasts uh, you have no idea how easy it would have been for andy to just been like yeah i saw the movie here's what i thought out of the first 45 minutes he's honest he's telling us what's up and i appreciate it you did get a refund i did get i did get a refund all right. That rocks. You know, it's a quick note. This has been this way ever since I worked there in high school. It's AMC's policy. They can refund you within the first 30 minutes of a movie. No questions asked after that, you have to have the movie stop or something like that to get a refund. So in case you're ever at a film and you're thinking this isn't going the way I want it to, if you're still in that first 30 minute window, go get your <laughs> money back quick. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely, I, I had crumpled up
1: my ticket and thrown it in like the hot dog box. Hell yeah. Um, And so like, I went to get the refund and he said, okay, where's your ticket? And I was like, well, I may have thrown it away. And he was like, I really need the ticket. So then I had to go back into like this pitch black theater hunt for like my hot dog box that I'd left, you know, try And, it, and then I did find the, t- I did find the ticket and I did get a refund, but it was, it was all an adventure.
0: It's a good thing. You didn't throw it in the trash, huh? Man, yeah. that would have been, it's a good thing you left it in the theater instead of going back and throwing it in the trash, like a good citizen. Yeah. It's I funny. did throw it
1: away on my, on my way out.
0: They are supposed to keep those tickets for for records, but for what it's worth, you could totally have thrown enough of a stink to get that guy to give you a refund anyway. And if you'd gone big, you could have gotten a refund on your hot dog and drink, too. (laughs) You could have been like, nope, this whole experience has been trashed. I'm writing corporate. By God, I'm getting on Twitter right now at AMC. What the hell? I didn't have it in me. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Yeah, (laughs) let's
1: talk about, about Spiral. So. I just saw the first 40, 45 minutes um, enough to kind of get a feel for the film. It's very um, kind of lighthearted in a lot of ways. It's Chris Rock. Who's, you know, a famous comedian. So he has a lot of like uh, funny bits and, and throwaway lines that are all digs or quips. Um, the, that's mixed in with the horror of the Jigsaw killer is back and he's putting cops on trial. That's the thing that he's going after these these crooked cops um, in a not so subtle uh, thing, things about uh, social social justice and, and the like. Um, again, you get the horror of, you know, the famous saw traps, which are uh, horrendous, like, uh, you know, live or die moments. How much blood would you spill to uh, <laughs> how much would you maim yourself to uh, stay alive? Yeah. Um, and we get the, uh, we see the, you know, it's the classic stuff. We have the, the Jigsaw character come up on the TV. I want to play a game. Here's this, uh, live or die, blah, blah, blah. Um, make make your choice. Yeah. Make your choice. Then, you know, we also have what is a very kind of paint by numbers police, uh, procedural of like, you know, he's the hothead. head. Cop and you now the boss is like, you know, if you keep acting up, you're gonna have to turn in your badge. And now I'm sticking you with the rook. You know, it's so it kind of is, is very cliche in in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, I didn't get to really see where it went. But this the setup is is fine. Like if, if you're a fan of the, of torture porn and the Saw series, you're gonna get your. I only got to see two traps before the uh, the thing can out cut out. So that's that's unfortunate. But uh, it it was everything I thought this movie would be up until that point.
0: Yeah, so I wish I could say there's a lot more going on in the second half of this movie. Unfortunately, there kind of isn't, and this is part of the reason I didn't give Andy too hard of a time when he told me they didn't actually finish the movie because, like, the first forty-five minutes is reflective of the last forty-five. The movie's ninety minutes flat. I think it's like I think it's like ninety-five, just barely over with credits. So it's it's a tight ninety. I mean, it moves fast. It is feature length, uh, as they say. I won't say how many traps are in the movie, uh, but I will say in the first 45 minutes, you saw less than half of the total number of traps in the film. So you saw two. uh, There's more than four there. That gives that gives kind of a, a spoiler free explanation of what's going on. And and for a quick personal history with the Saw franchise, I've seen almost all of them. I really, really love the first one. I like the second one a lot. And then I think like everybody else, it kind of just diminishes from there in quality. Uh, and this movie is directed by Darren Lynn Boseman, uh, Bowsman, who is the director of Saw 2, II, 3, and 4. After that, he did Repo, the genetic opera. And then following that, he has done nothing of particular interest. So it was exciting to see him back in theaters again. And I think I can ascribe some of the problems this movie has to probably his direction. But Andy, how many of the Saw films have you seen? How, how up to date are you? I think I've things? seen
1: two. I've seen the first one and then I've seen, I think, the second one and then like bits and pieces of different ones. Other, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: It's like the Fast and Furious franchise or Transformers. Like you just start to get lost once it's like you five or six You can jump in movies. at any time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, they're all they're all kind of following along the same beats. Okay. So, so I want to talk about what this movie does as a film and then I want to talk about its larger implications in the Saw franchise. We'll keep it tight. I know we've been spending some time on this movie already and we're aiming for an hour-long show this week, so hopefully we can keep it under. Uh Andy, the first 45 minutes, let's talk about what you have seen. You've seen setting, you've seen character, you're getting an idea of pace, plot, structure, of course. And I want to start with kind of our characters, right? We've got Chris Rock in our lead as our lead as our kind of Young ish, <laughs> younger. How old is Chris Rock? He's got to be like fifty, dude, he's, right? Dude, I mean, dude,
1: he's he's in his fifties and he doesn't yeah. look like it at all. I mean, same no, Sam I mean, Jackson is in his like late seventies,
0: late se- coming up on eighties. Sam Jackson doesn't and
1: doesn't look good at it at all.
0: You'd never know it, yeah. And and they they play that to full effect in this movie. Uh, Chris, Chris Rock is kind of this young cop who uh, at some point in his uh, career. Uh, turned in a dirty cop and all of the cops on the force don't trust him because they're like, well, you'll turn on anybody. You're, you're, you're basically as crooked as the guy you turned in. Meanwhile, all the other cops are half crooked anyway, which is why you have this whole jigsaw serial killer problem running around. And you got Sam, Sam Jackson, who plays his dad, who was the police chief when he was coming up and basically allowed a lot of this crooked stuff. And in some cases, was kind of okay with doing it himself. So obviously everybody's got a little bit of blood on their hands. As far as these characters go, those are really the hot ones. You got Chris Rock, you got Sam Jackson, and that's pretty much it. Everybody else is just kind of like another cop. The, the, the department head played by Marisol Nichols. I mean, it's, it's not a whole lot to it. So so, what do you think of these people we've got in this movie?
1: Like I said, it, it's just super, super cliche. You know, uh, Chris Rock is persona non grata. He's got a a ball-busting chief of police. Uh, He gets paired with a rookie cop with a wife and kids, kids which doesn't bode too well for him, at least generally. Uh, And then you you got a couple of, you know, you got all these cops on the force who don't trust him, and you know, they call him a rat. I like that
0: yeah one one of the cops in the forest has like a scar on his face and another one is like gives him cross looks all the time and they 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 seem like they're supposed to be these characters who may be the jigsaw killer. They may be the one running around doing all this stuff, but you, you can't really be sure, you know mm-hmm. um so
1: I mean they're just really stuck stock. uh it's nice to see a, a female in the chief of police role. uh Samuel l. Jackson is in this as of course, as the uh retired legendary cop and father of uh, Chris Rock. Um, He's, for the little bit, he wasn't in it very much, but the little bit of what I did see him, uh, he's a lot of fun. Um, Also, I'm sure essential to the the plot and what more I know in the the trailer, you see him in in one of the traps. So um, yeah, I mean, just really kind of stock, unfortunately, very paint by numbers on the police side.
0: Yeah, it it seems like Chris Rock definitely had some passion here. I mean, obviously he wrote the script uh, and he hasn't done He's done some dramatic acting recently, especially in the FX show Fargo, which I hear he was very good in. I hadn't watched his season yet, but um, I I was a little surprised to see him suddenly taking interest in, yeah, the ninth film in the Saw franchise. Really strange. Changing the title, right? Spiral instead of Saw. And and it's kind of having a copycat killer and maybe not being the real Jigsaw, you know, and and, and kind of being the step away, but also step into uh, this kind of. Long-standing franchise apparently rocks a fan, and and when he penned the script, it seems like he kind of wrote his character as this yeah kind of kind of on his own uh, uh, martyr in the police force who definitely is testing a lot of his stand-up material. It's worth mentioning is Zeke Banks, his character has a lot of one-liners, and almost all of them fall flat. Or they're like outdated references. Because Chris Rock is in his fifties and it's like I don't think the movie, the people wa- the people watching Spiral are not in their fifties. It doesn't it doesn't it's add just
1: up. It, it's just in the wrong movie. Yeah, like he really a, he's is a comedic actor writing comedy in a horror movie and it's just like you you can't have it all the time. It's just too much. All it's like right. constantly trying to deliver one liners and it's like you need some comic relief, sure, but you can't just be doing like a stand up routine. And it's just yeah, not funny I, enough. And if it was, yeah. it would be out of place.
0: And I never fell for like the illusion that he is Officer Zeke, Banks, Detective Zeke Banks. The, the whole film, I was like, "There's Chris Rock doing his Chris Rock thing." Like, it just doesn't, he doesn't fool anybody. Yeah, and it's, Sam, it's hard Sam to Jackson, see anyone else. Yeah, Sam Jackson's the same way. I, I started audibly laughing in my theater, like when Sam Jackson's introduced and he's sitting down because it's like, oh my god, they couldn't even get him to like to stand <laughs> in scene. He, got he was like, "Yeah, got I'll come cursed. to set. Yeah, <laughs> I'll come to set." But by God, I'm not. I, I better be sitting in a chair the whole time um he has a a a small number of scenes in the film they're important but there's not many of them and it seems like they couldn't get him on set for many days but i mean it's a small budget movie i'm sure they shot the whole thing tight as far as our cast goes yeah there's only a couple of really notables and otherwise it is a very small cast but that does open some opportunities for potential you know plot turns anybody could be this copycat killer, right? And anybody could, could be involved or it could be just some stranger off the street. Who knows, right? But typically in, in Saw movies, they've got some kind of past. They have some kind of you know, axe to grind. They've they've got some reason for all this, this murder. And I, we can't talk about that because we don't talk about spoilers, but I do want to talk about kind of our violence, right? Because that's a whole thing. We're chasing this killer and the movie opens with a saw trap just like all the other Saw movies do. And from there, it's a descent into madness, a spiral, as it were yeah it's definitely
1: super super gory very graphic as the the films are pretty notorious for at this point um that's part of what what you go to see i mean that that was the horrificness and 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 it's it's interesting because a lot of it yes it's the gore, but it's also just the traps like the setup to the gore. like the 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 traps always look like horrendous you know the the famous one is from the original when the girl has like the big helmet thing around reverse
0: bear trap Yeah, yeah
1: yeah um you know, some of those original traps are are pretty, pretty gnarly. And, and they always kind of uh, up the ante every film.
0: Yeah. And this one is clever because we don't have somebody who's who's supposed to be like directly Jigsaw or in the other eight films, like a descendant of Jigsaw. You know, like uh, this, this one is supposed to be a copycat in a different place, different city. This is later. John Kramer, who is the original Jigsaw, is dead and buried like. This is supposed to be somebody else. So the traps are a little knockoff and that's okay. Cause it's been a while since there was a saw movie. They're not as good. Uh, not all of them are as good. A couple of them are pretty, pretty grimace worthy. I, I was like uncomfortably squirming in my seat, but others are just kind of lame. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary. I feel like I gotta, I I need, I need to turn the saw traps up to 11. I've seen too many mo- saw movies. I, I need them to be intense, but yeah. the gore is good. They're, I mean, it's strong. It's $40 million worth of gore. Like, it's good stuff, um, but I not, think not, the, there, not the th- best design traps. I don't think. I think I've, I've seen better for sure.
1: For a while there, they got a little bit too elaborate, and that was the beauty of the kind of first film was that they were they were heinous, but they were simple. Yeah, um, yeah. It's one thing it's I, true. When did the like? I have no idea when we went from like jigsaw, like the the guy with the painted face, the painted spirals, yeah. to to the uh, pig face person. I'm not sure so, when that transition happened.
0: <laughs> okay, so yeah, that, that's another thing. Like we don't we don't properly get the the, the painted face you're referring to is uh, Billy the puppet. It's it's a puppet. It's on strings. It's Billy. That's its name, uh, and that was in Saw One. That was used uh, by John Kramer, who was the original Jigsaw, um, played by Tobin Bell. Um, to just spook people, right? He made videos with him and stuff, so he didn't have his face on screen. And it was just this goofy little like puppet they made for the first movie. Well, it took off, naturally. The first film took off. So he kept using it more and more throughout those. But the pig face thing came from one of his assistants, I think, in the first or maybe it was just him, who would wear like a pig's head, when he would attack people in public to, to disguise his identity, because it was scary, you know, they, they, right, they, they were right. making a million dollar horror movie. It's just what they had. But the imagery took off, so every like descendant of Jigsaw had to wear like a pig's head thing to like assault oh, okay. people essentially in Somehow public. i missed them in
1: that in the in the Jigsaw mythos.
0: Right in this movie, we don't have Billy the Puppet. That's completely gone because this isn't supposed to be Jigsaw. Something else, but we have a puppet that has like a pig's head on it. And we still get the pig imagery here, and then it's also in line with dirty cops, which I think is supposed to be a dig. Like it's a little bit of social commentary. I think that's kind of right. what this movie's doing. Yeah, so that's why you don't have like the classic jigsaw imagery in this one, which, frankly, I think hurts the movie because that stuff that stuff works. Like it 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 elicits yeah, it's super Yeah,
1: the voice yeah. is iconic.
0: Right. This is this is a different voice. It's a different puppet it's a different kind of look and that's not bad but it's not as good like it doesn't hit the peak that like the other one did man that puppet is spooky like back in the day and this one's just lame like i don't know i i I just felt like watching it i was like i'd rather be watching a better saw movie um but by the way if you've never seen the
1: uh you know being roommates with jigsaw uh on youtube it's a great comedy but (laughs) look
0: that up That is a good comedy bit. Yeah, for sure. And also, I know I'm talking a lot of flack about Saw of What's Worth. The first Saw movie is genuinely good. That movie's great. That's that's a brilliant example of how to make a great indie horror um, on a budget. Anyway, um, let's start with the script a little bit. Like I said, this movie's a tight 90. Uh, We get more than four Saw traps. So those are split relatively evenly throughout the film. And for the most part, it works. But it feels like something's missing here. I did a little looking into it after the movie, and it turned out there was a there was a whole trap sequence they filmed with a character that they cut from the final film, uh, and I think that hurts it because a couple characters just kind of vanish at one point in the movie and they never come back, and other characters have kind of little plot lines or character arcs that never really go anywhere. And it's small, but it matters. Like you got a small cast here. There's there's like eight people in the cast in this movie, and then and then some extras. Like things need to kind of lead somewhere, but ultimately this story about Zeke Banks and his father and this jigsaw killer. Uh, that kind of works, but it's just kind of deadpan. But then again, it's a Saw movie. It's not supposed to be anything outstanding, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I wasn't particularly surprised by that. Uh, I was pleased to hear the OG Saw theme back, uh, at one point. That's, that's nice. That actually makes a return, which is good stuff that, that man, listen to Zep's theme coming out of IMAX speakers. Sends me, man. Mm, It's good stuff. Otherwise... An okay some movie, I think. Like, I I think we can do better if they make another one. I'll go see it. I think that's probably why they'll end up making another one. But overall, okay. I think Chris Rock and Sam Jackson are the best parts of it, and it was not by any means their best performances. So I think that gives you a bar for kind of what to expect here in Spiral. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or recommendations, Andy, based on I'm, what you've seen? I'm ready. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. I only saw half on, the movie, remember. It's true. Based on what you saw, Andy, would you recommend Spiral?
1: I would say save it for streaming. I'm really surprised that this didn't have a hybrid uh release because it's definitely the kind of thing you should watch at home. Like I said, I, I paid $8 for a ticket and a $13 hot dog and and, and, uh, drink. and then the movie and then the, and the movie cut out. Yeah. So uh, this to me that was an entire advertisement for the beauty of at-home streaming because uh it's definitely the kind of movie that's worth watching at home, and it probably wouldn't have cut out uh, <laughs> were, were I there. Uh, so if you're a fan of the series, I think you'll, you'll probably appreciate it. It's got the uh, the imagery, the traps, the gore. Um, it's police procedural, is a little paint-by-numbers and a little clumsy. Uh, but like I said, I, th- I think it's fine
0: when it, when it goes to streaming.
1: It, I did see that it will be going to, I guess, stars uh, just in time for
0: Halloween. How appropriate. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp. You can wait for streaming on this one. I, I like seeing Saw movies in a theater, but it's hard to get your friends around to go to a movie theater right now. And even if you can pull it off, it's just out of season. Typically, Saw movies were always released in October. They had that great tagline, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw, which makes no sense, but that, that was what it was. And every October, I remember seeing, at least back when I was working on the movies, literally the same groups of people coming in every Halloween to watch the new Saw movie. I don't know why they dumped this to a summer release. I think they panicked and thought it was going to do poorly. I think it either should have gone to streaming or it should have come out in October. I think it would have done way better. And it was a big marketing flub to push it out now. It's too early after the pandemic. People aren't really there yet. Um, Not doing any favors. So if you're going to watch this, if you're a Saw fan, I think you'll like it. I'd probably say it's top five Saw movies for sure, but it's definitely not top three i don't think and uh if you're not a saw fan go watch saw one like if you if you want to know what Saw's about just go watch the first one yeah. then watch the second one and if you're still interested you could probably jump into this i think that'll that'll probably be the best place to go so that's spiral man uh, what a weird movie i was really looking forward to this one and it didn't <laughs> quite i like Saw yeah, movies I mean, it was, man i it do I summer release to... summer release you know yeah yeah uh, hmm. but
1: by the way, I did remember the other movie I watched over our break here was uh, "Those Who Wish Me Dead," the Angelina Jolie fi- uh, firefighter thing. Uh, you know, with the, the Taylor Sheridan. If we're uh, it was re- solidly. It was solidly mediocre. Uh, you could probably skip
0: it. If we get- that's the quick review. <laughs> <laughs> but we might do a full review at some point. I'll be honest, I'm not that interested in watching it, so I'm glad Andy took the plunge. Um, but if we come around to it on a slow week, we might check it out. Also, Andy, I discovered today. You remember that uh, that show that movie that was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, The Father with Anthony Hopkins? Yes, six dollars on Amazon right now finally geez my it was it was 20 before now for anybody who wanted to know why we hadn't watched it on the show i was like i cannot justify a 20 rental at home like there's no well now
1: it's running into the summer movie season we got plenty of other stuff to watch now
0: it's true they can wait by god yeah that's what they get for 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 pricing their stuff too high anyway next up andy you want to announce uh what, what we're doing in this segment it's time for the trailer park <laughs>
1: So we're going to be talking about a few trailers. uh, Just came out this week, uh, hot off the the presses. We got some hot things, things we're really looking forward to. Uh, the first one is The Eternals, or just Eternals, which is m- one of Marvel's new Phase 4 projects. This is going to be a big uh, franchise. Star-studded cast. Uh, let me just read off this cast list. Starring Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kit Harington, both of whom were from Game of Thrones, Camille Jan- Nanjiani, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, and Barry Keown. So that's like, this is a huge cast. It's like nine people. All really big names. A first time for a lot of these people to be in the MCU. Big names like Angelina Jolie and uh, Selma Hayek. Uh, Gemma Chan was actually already. <laughs> she, I don't know how they're going to deal with it, but she she played one of the scrolls in uh, Captain Marvel. Um, maybe the heavy makeup uh, covers her. Anyways, the That's story. Right. Uh, if we if we just saw a, a teaser. Uh, the eternals are this kind of immortal family who oversee civilization through time and kind of help civilizations thrive but they they get involved but they don't get too involved uh the trailer doesn't really be- reveal a lot it shows us a lot of our characters a lot of really cool special effects a lot of really great costumes everyone looks like gorgeous and beautiful and they have these like really uh royal looking costumes. It looks really cool, a lot of great effects, but we don't really get much on plot. But I'm kind of anxious to see when uh what that what that's gonna look like. And that's gonna be out November 5th. Uh Zach, what do you think?
0: So this is a really cool teaser because it's like two minutes long, two minutes in change, and it gives you no indication of what the central conflict of the film is, which is good. It's what a teaser should do, right? Gives you a tease of the tone, a little bit of structure maybe. You gotta look at the characters. That's kind of it. And that's what this that's what this teaser does. I'm interested. I I you know, I, I'm a little skeptical of going into kind of Marvel Phase Four or wherever we're at now. Um I, I was, you know, big fan of the OG, the OG Avengers man. It's gonna be tough to kind of come around on this, but you've got a star-studded cast. You've clearly got some passion put into the put into it. I, I think people are a little skeptical of what this is going to be, whether or not these are supposed to be like Avengers 2.0 or what this like pre-assembled Eternals team is. Uh, I think it looks strong. I want to see more. I want to see a full trailer. This is a good teaser though. So if you haven't seen it, go, to, go and check out the teaser for Eternals. Uh, mm-hmm. Next it- up. Yeah.
1: Well, I just wanted to mention, you know, one thing Marvel has done a really great job of that DC has not done is is introduced, uh, you know, kind of second and third tier properties and really propel them forward. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is the best example of that. No one knew who that property was. Everyone thought that that might be, excuse me, Marvel's first bomb of a film. And it, it was a huge, it was a massive, massive hit. Um, and now everyone knows who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. And so I think they'll end up doing the same way with the Eternals, that we will all come to know who they are, become very familiar. They'll become kind of household names. Marvel's very good at that. DC is not being super good at that. DC's um, not great at that. And, and he, honestly, their comics are the same way. Like, if they didn't have Batman, I don't know what they would do because they cannot bring other properties to the forefront too too well.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what they do either. Uh, and, and a big part of that is just star power. I mean, you have so many names, like the command, <clears throat> attention, all in one movie. People are going to turn heads, right? People at the water cooler talking. So. Yep. Next, the next film we are talking about, I'm excited to tell, tell you about this one. The trailer is for Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Uh, I don't know a lot about the plot for this, so I'm going to read it right off IMDb. Take a page right out of them. A young girl passionate about fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. The movie is written by Edgar Wright and directed by him. Edgar uh, previously has done films such as Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and uh, Baby Driver, uh, most recently. And now, this is his first step into full-on horror, what he ascribes to be his favorite genre of movies. It stars Anya Taylor-Joy and Matt Smith. And what is the main woman, uh, Thompson McKenzie, uh, who was in, I'm not sure what she was in, but a bunch of other people. I'm excited to talk about it. Andy, what do you think of the trailer for Last Night in Soho?
1: This looks great. (laughs) I had no idea what to really expect from this. I just knew that Edgar Wright was doing a, a horror movie. Um... And this just looks like something completely different. Um, It it reminds me a little bit of Midnight in Paris. I saw someone mention it, which is a Woody Allen film where uh, Adrian Brody at midnight, he goes back in time to like the 1920s in in Paris. And then during the day, he's back in present time, you know, gets inspired by historical figures. So it's a little bit uh, of that where, you know, you're kind of going between timelines, but it starts, the trailer starts off really uh, fun and promising. And then it, it, slowly turns dark and in you know very clearly ends up in the horror place so i i don't really know again what we're going to get what it's going to be about what the tone of the whole thing you know edgar wright's really known for his comedy so we'll, we'll kind of see but uh it looks great it looks like nothing i've really seen before and i'm always excited about edgar wright
0: me too. Uh, bathed in neon. Lots of red and blue in this. Uh, and, and it just looks like good stuff. So I'm excited to watch it. Funny thing, while, while we're talking about things people said about this movie on the internet, I was laughing at somebody's comment earlier today. They watched the trailer and they said, Anya Taylor-Joy is, like is like a cheat code for cinematographers. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You just throw geez. her on the screen and you're like, looks great. Yep, perfect. Got that shot. Next next scene, please. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, totally. uh, what's the last one?
1: Uh, the final trailer that we're going to be looking at is called Gunpowder Milkshake. And uh, this is a new uh, all-female action film coming this summer, uh, July 14th. It starts Karen Gillan as an uh, assassin who, from the trailer, it looks like she meets a uh, group of other female assassins. And uh, in a very John Wick-style um, turn of events, she she goes from being, you know, assassin number one to being persona not grata and being the uh, a contract put out on her and so all the assassins come after her and her and these other lovely ladies, which is a b- really big cast, um, all have to fight them off. This cast includes uh, Karen Gillan, Carla Gugina, uh, Lena Headey of Game of Thrones, uh, fame, Angela Bassett, uh, Paul Giamatti, not a woman, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Uh, th- those are the, the big names. Um, and the action looks really awesome. It's really, it reminds me a little bit of like Kill Bill, John Wick style really over the t- top, lots of gunplay, lots of shooting and, and martial arts. Um, and it's really cool to see this kind of movie and it be all all women, because it, it seems like it's taken a long time for something like that to happen. But it looks like a lot of fun. It looks, like, again, like a mixture of, of action scenes we've kind of seen before. Um, anyways, what do you think, Zach?
0: So I'm excited about this movie, um, mainly because it looks really stylized. Uh, watching the trailer of all movies I thought of the movie Wanted which was a movie mm-hmm. that flew under a lot of people's radar, but again, was very stylized. Like it had a really specific direction and style and tone to it. And it stands out. Like there's a lot of action thrillers that come out, I think in a year um, and doing something that really makes it stand out visually adding slow motion, you know, kind of doing things to make it jump at you uh, really makes a difference. And seeing Karen Gillen in a role, I, I want to say Gillian every time, but there's no extra I, it's just Gillian. Uh, and seeing her in a role that she's not like covered in makeup in is good stuff because like I think it really gives her the opportunity to kind of flex her chops on screen. She's great in Guardians of the Galaxy, but like that's really only seeing one part of her. Like yeah. it's nice to be able to see her with her hair up, do an action shit, you know, for a change. Like that's cool. And and to follow that up to, to see Everybody in the supporting cast who's involved in this movie is good stuff. I love Lena Headey. Uh, I love the way the action looks. I love that it looks like it has a tone and a structure. I like that it's a new director. I haven't seen anything. from Uh, He's he's from Israel originally. So excuse me if I mispronounce this. His name is Nevat um, Papashado, I think, Papusha, something like that. Uh, And previously he's in a movie called Big Bad Wolves, which came out in Israel that was a big hit. And otherwise I've seen nothing from him. If this works, he's going to make a Marvel movie. Just wait. Like, it's like, if, this, <laughs> yeah. if this takes off, some some big company will scoop him up to make a mainline franchise film. So, I'm looking forward to Gunpowder Milkshake. It looks like good stuff.
1: Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it does. And it stars the uh, little girl from that new Day Batista movie. Uh, the the spy, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I don't the remember. The spy, I, something. I should have come correct before I just dropped that in. Anyway, Andy, what the last, what's the last movie we're doing on the show? Army of the Dead.
1: Mr. Ward, how would you like to make $50 million on a warm summer's eve? So, this is Zack a- Snyder's again return to the zombie genre. Originally, he, uh, he made a big impression with 2004 remake uh, Dawn of the Dead, where he introduced the fast, athletic zombie, uh, who were a real nuisance when we were used to slow, you know, moving, crawling zombies. Um,. Uh, This is out on Netflix and stars Dave Bautista. In this setting, um, Las Vegas has become overrun with the undead and uh, has been cleared. And there's a big quarantine set up around the city made up of these big uh, shipping containers. And in a very American fashion, the government is soon going to nuke Las Vegas uh, to rid the world of of all these zombies. Uh, In the midst of of that, uh, rich millionaire comes to... Dave Bautista, uh, who's a you know Medal of Freedom vet Army veteran, says, "Hey, there's two hundred million dollars underneath the Las Vegas in one of the vaults. It's still there. You can have fifty million dollars if you can get it out. If you can put a team together, split it however you want. Get in, get the money, get out. Opportunity of a lifetime. Can't turn down. So, so of course he can't. So he can't. So we of course can't t- turn it down. Puts together a team. They and they go into." Las Vegas, uh, which is abandoned except for the zombies, and uh, try and find this money. Uh, it's a bit of a heist film. You know, you gotta put together to the team. You need a, a weapons expert, a security guy, a safe cracker, uh, someone to f- fly the helicopter, all those those things, plus a number of zombie tropes uh, to go in there. Um, I have a lot of issues with this movie that we can get into, uh,
0: but Zach, uh, what'd you think? So... Army of the Dead is a bit misleading. It looks like this movie is going to be a action-fueled, bloody zombie romp with guns and explosions through a post-apocalyptic Las Vegas with with a literal army of the dead. So many dead people. It's like an army, right? Versus like 15 beefcakes led by Dave Bautista. Directed by Zack Snyder. How can you go wrong? Dude, you can totally go wrong. There is no cool army. You're barely in Vegas. You don't get that much shooting. There's not that much action. And it's so paint by numbers, like, it doesn't do anything new or different. It's too long. It's boring. It's gray. The whole movie's out of focus. I got problems with Army of the Dead, man. And it's not all bad. It's really not. There are things that work in this movie. But, like, dude, I I got... I got to start looking twice next time I see a Zack Snyder movie and whether or not this is going to be a good feature. Like, really? I I, I thought this was going to be his breakaway from big budget box office studios, right? He doesn't have Warner Brothers with their foot on his neck. He can do what he wants. He can make anything. And he makes Army of the Dead? Like, dude. <laughs> I'm disappointed in Zack Snyder. Let's talk about Army of the Dead. Because it's not that bad. I haven't heard that many people being bad about it, but... What did you think? I mean, I—it's uh, uh, something, man.
1: It's—it's—it's it's, it's none of the things that it should be or or is advertised to be. Somehow you have a zombie action movie, and it is so boring. Yeah. Oh my god, nothing happens. For it. there is not an action. The first real action scene doesn't happen for seventy minutes. I timed yeah. it. Yeah. Like there there is kind of an opening scene, a little bit of action. Uh, the credits actually have a lot of the backstory. The credits are actually really, really good. The opening credits. Um, and then nothing happens for like an hour. They like, they don't get to Vegas for the whole first hour. Cause there's all this like backstory and family drama. They're trying to set up and it's just like, no one cares. Uh, so, you don't even get to Vegas for the first hour. There's just very little action. And and again, you expect them to be like running through the streets and like dodging the dead left and right. They're slowly, methodically crying or crawling through the city. The, the zombie. And then the, there's a weird thing about the zombies have evolved and they're like smart and they kind of have a society now. And there's a zombie king and queen who are kind of in charge. And like it's, it kind of throws a lot of zombie rules out the window. And that's fine if you want to introduce some new ideas. But Everything they do is just really boring, and there's hard, there's just not a whole lot of like zombie chases, which is like what we're here for. And <laughs> it's just so slow; it's unbelievably slow. Yes, um, you know, you, like you could easily cut an hour out of this movie easily.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't, I do I, I okay. I think the problems fundamentally start with the bad script, right? Um, it was written and directed by. I don't, yeah, no, it was written by, by Zack Snyder. Yeah, I probably had a hand, somebody else kind of helping him. It was written, directed by him. And also worth mentioning, he's the cinematographer on this movie. He literally held the camera for every shot. He shot it himself. He shot it on red cameras, red monstros, and he used vintage Canon lenses to get this really thin field of focus. So your actor's face will be in focus, but everything behind them is straight, blurred background. Always. It is so blurry behind them. You can't see anything. And it's yeah, like, we're supposed to I be in that too. Yeah. We're supposed to be in Las Vegas. We're supposed to be, you know, in this place, there's supposed to be zombies around. It's supposed to be this bombed out of It's just blur. Like you can, I mean, you can sometimes see stuff back there, but it's a really specific choice. And I think that sets the precedent for the rest of the movie. Snyder was like, I'm doing what I want here. And fundamentally somebody should have stopped him or reined him in. Um, letting this guy loose with the budget to do whatever he wants. Like it's not a hit. So let's talk about like the, the, the movie proper and what's going on in it. Um, first off, like you said, the pacing, we don't even get to Vegas for the first hour, which in a heist movie, that's okay. You don't start the heist right away, right? Like you got to build your team. You got to get your crew together. You got to have some big moneymaker who's explaining the whole thing, right? How, how are we going to do all this? You got to plan it, but this movie doesn't do a very good job of that. Um, Yeah, uh, you know, it it reminded me
1: or made me think of Inception, which is a really great heist film. There are five, you know, team members in Inception. In this, they they throw together like 12 people, none of whom I can name. And I can't really tell why they're all there. They're just like, oh, yeah, you want to make a million dollars? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, we need this guy, too. And it's just like, so you have like a squad of like 12, 13 people going in and can't really keep track of who is who or what they're all supposed to be doing or while they're... Why they're all there. And it makes it just narr- narratively difficult. Also, it just adds a bunch of fat to the film because you have to do like an intro of this person and go into do a recruiting scene with them.
0: Yeah, so normally this movie draws a lot of inspiration from different properties, right? Definitely Dawn of the Dead, uh, certainly Zack Snyder's vision of that, uh, but also aliens um, because you're like the movie Aliens and with our colonial marines going into this alien infested uh, um colony, like you've you've got our big strapping warriors going into a zombie infested colony. So it shares a lot of similarities with that. But at least in Aliens, James Cameron knew, hey, uh, we're going to have a bunch of just nobodies who are going to get iced by aliens before we get down to kind of our main crew. Zack Snyder doesn't have that luxury. You're supposed to be building a heist crew. So everybody in there should matter, but they totally don't. Like, six of them kind of matter, and even then, only a few of them are actual actors who you will know and have heard of. Everybody else is a no-name who hasn't really done anything particularly large. Uh, you got Dave Batista in the lead as Scott Ward. Ella Purnell as his daughter. Kate Ward, Omari Hardwick, plays a, a, a kind of a sidekick for him. We got uh, Matthias Schweigoffer. I don't, playing I don't know who Safe any cracker. of those people are, aside so, from Dave Batista. <laughs> Right, but so funny story, Matthias is a big deal in Germany. He's, he's a very successful German actor, and he's kind of a unique safecracker. Tignataro uh, as as the helicopter pilot, who was only in the movie because originally that role went to Chris Delia, but after all the sexual assault stuff came out, they were like, hey, you're out, and they green-screened in Tignataro for the whole feature, which is why she's barely in the picture. Otherwise, nobody... Hiroyuki Sonata is, is the guy who pays them to go in and do this whole heist. Otherwise, nobody. And even then, I'll bet you only knew maybe four of those names. And that's like, those are the hits. This is like a crew of like 15 people. Like, And none of them are anybody who we would know. There's a couple of outstanding performances. If they're in there, it's from the people I mentioned. Otherwise it's it's just a bunch of nobodies and and you treat them like that right they go when they finally get into the city you just expect like okay well they're going to get iced they're not going to stick around and it makes it feel like there's no real there's no real stakes there's no real tension because yeah. you just know this probably isn't going to go their way you know and and that's a, that's not a great way to get to the heist when you get an hour into the movie and your audience is already lost and disappointed yeah i mean
1: you know in, in any zombie movie that not everyone's going to make it but it, it's a question of who is and and who isn't, and you're exactly right. The, there's so many people that like he, and the, there's also no danger. There's no danger. There's no tension. There, there's nothing. And again, you, you're not going to care if you know heist member nine dies because you don't know why they were there in the first place.
0: Right. Like, and and again, like it, it, I get in the larger scenario, you expect people to die, but like when you don't give any weight to ha- to most of your characters on screen then you don't get anywhere and that's just in the writing that that that's where that fundamentally falls apart we've got a strained relationship between scott ward and his daughter kate ward um the two of them are at odds one of them is a former kind of bounty hunter headhunter army guy Dave batista the other is a uh, refugee helping wonderful young lady uh, played by ella pernell and the two of them are kind of oppose I uh, ideologically one of them is like well I gotta go into the city and make this money so I can give you and your mom a happy life and the other one's like we should not be going into the city this is this is a big mistake but once you get into the city proper the zombies are okay um they they have evolved like Andy said uh we've got some alpha zombies that are like smart and uh can can arguably reproduce um <laughs> which is Funny story, along with the Chriselia thing that they that they cut because of sexual harassment, turns out there was supposed to be like a whole subplot with zombie reproduction that they just totally wrote out because when they ran this in front of test audiences, audiences were like, please, God, no. We do (laughs) not reproducing zombies. We don't need it. Zombies have a way to reproduce, they bite people, and then, then that person turns into a zombie. That's the game. You know, we don't we don't need like a zombie economy here, but this tries to run towards that. It kind of doesn't work though. Cause ultimately we don't get that much time with zombies on screen. There's not that many zombies in this movie. There's like a couple decent zombie shootouts. That's kind of it. Really, there's not that many, and and the alpha zombies are kind of cool, I guess, but I'd say like rage virus zombies from the Twenty Eight Days Later series are much more interesting. Boring yeah, zombies, they, you got boring zombies in this movie. Yeah, how did it, how did that happen? And not only that, like they're they're
1: smart, but they also like know kung fu. Like they, they like there's several parts where they're like dodging punches and like knives and and gunfire. You know, doing like crazy parkours, like. You know, this is a big leap from fast zombies to martial arts wielding <laughs> zombies and it's just uh you know it, it's ridiculous and it just doesn't help it doesn't add to the tension it, it doesn't make you make them scarier uh the whole like zombie King zombie leader thing is like zombie society as a whole is ridiculous and uninteresting also and I have a real problem with this uh, I'm gonna die on this <laughs> so uh, no uh so there's a zombie tiger yeah that, which is seen in the trailer uh, but I feel like that's just really redundant because like a normal tiger will just like hunt you down and eat you. So like a zombie tiger, like isn't really any more of a threat because they're just going to do true. the same thing.
0: If anything, it would have been impressive if you had a completely standard tiger running around the zombie world. And people are like, where the hell did that come from? And everybody else is like, I don't know. Somehow it survived. Like that would be interesting. Zombie yeah. tiger. L- uh. Like zombie exotic
1: animals are just re- redundant because that exotic animal will maul you anyways.
0: Right it's the same <laughs> it's the same
1: danger so it's it, it kind of doesn't make uh any sense but yeah the zombies are just they're really boring they're not interesting they're they're smart but not in any kind of interesting ways and you know soon that they're going to have their own economy and philosophy and elections soon if, if <laughs> it's is left un- unchecked it's just it's really uninteresting and this doesn't add to any of the tension or action
0: I got another one for you. Poor setting. This is supposed to take place in Las Vegas. We should see the strip or what like the bombed out strip looks like, right? You don't get any of that. Las Vegas basically looks like a desert. There's a few crumbling buildings. There's a bunch of trashed cars that our characters are slowly working their way through. In, again, full 4K blur because Zack Snyder was like, I'm using these vintage Canon lenses and it's going to look dope. So you never really get to get a good look at the background. But once you get to our fictional hotel, the Olympus, because they're not going to pay for licensing to use, you know, Caesar's Palace or MGM. Or, right. Nothing fancy. Once you get to our fictional hotel, you're in the hotel pretty much the rest of the film. And then the plan is in the heist that the safe is at the bottom of the hotel, and then on top of the hotel, there's a there's a helicopter. You get a helicopter pilot who was played by Tignataro. They fly you out of the city. So it's one way in, one way out. So once you get to the hotel. There's not a whole lot of Vegas left. You get one shootout in a casino. Otherwise, they're in, like, dark hallways. They're da- down by the safe in the basement. Like, that's it. It's like, yeah, where's the yeah, setting? Could, We're in Las it Vegas. A, it could have yeah. been a middle school anywhere. Right, exactly. Like, where's the flash and the glam and the glitz? You get a couple of, like, zombies that look like they're dressed in goofy costumes. You get a showgirl zombie. That's neat. But, like... You know, look at the poster for God's sake. If you watch this on Facebook, you can see it. Like it's 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 flashy and colorful and neon, and like none of that is in this movie. In fact, once again, Zack Snyder has returned to a washed out, desaturated color palette—gray and murky and brown and like it's sandy—and it's just like this looks gross. Like there's no fun color or excitement to this. And I think back to 2004's Dawn of the Dead when he was just getting into this stuff. Completely different approach. Completely different. That was a shopping mall, and it was more colorful than this. I mean, my God.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking back. The opening credits are actually really cool. Uh, There's a lot of action and kind of backstory that happens there. But I was like, that really should have just been the opening scene. Like, the the background backstory could have all been, like, normal action. Of course, it's all slow motion because that's what he does. Uh so that's actually kind of a. It's a good part of the movie, but actually should have probably been a different part of it.
0: Yeah, uh, and also worth mentioning, the opening credits are are very very cheaply made. I I, I swear to God, it looks like Zack oh, Snyder literally font. made them himself. It's terrible. It, there's there's no there's. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna nitpick here for a second. They don't even use like a drop shadow. It's like just photoshopped onto each frame. Like boom, here's a lame font in pink. There's there's your there's your front. Like I feel like Snyder has tried to approach this like, oh, this is a little little pet project I shot in my free time. And it's like, it's a two and a half hour feature. There were theatrical cuts of Lord of the Rings that were shorter, bro. And the pacing's a big problem too. I mean, we already talked it's about the so long intro, slow. but oh it is God. agony to get through. I mean, it's it's not... It's not all boring, but like, you just keep thinking, where's the army of the dead? Where's the shooting? Like, where's the exciting stuff? And it's barely in there. I mean, it, it's gotta be maybe 10% of the film. Maybe is like actual action. Otherwise 90% of it is people just standing around in rooms talking. It's like, come on. You got Dave Bautista. You got a bunch of throwaway actors and actresses. Give him, you know, give him some, give them some blanks and let them shoot a little while. Let's get some action going.
1: I did want to point out there. There was a standout scene that I did want to talk about, um, please. Mainly because there's a little, little bit of a music nerd moment. So our safe cracker, uh, Dieter, who's uh, stereotypically German, uh, he when he meets the safe, it's like a work of art. He's like, "This is one of the greatest safes ever," and I'm going to be the one to crack it. Yeah. Um, there, and there's this whole like, uh, this is very appropriate. All of a sudden you get this big uh, opera background soundtrack, which is from uh, The Ring Cycle, uh, which is like one of the, the four operas that Wagner wrote, one of which I think is Siegfried, which I think the music is from. So this big operatic moments when they get to the safe, and that stuff is actually really good. And it's a really good use of that music, and it's and it's appropriate because it's it's Wagner, and he's German. So it's, 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 it's a very German part of, of, of the film, and that's actually one of the scenes I liked.
0: Yeah, the the German safe cracker is one of those characters. that has got a little bit of characterization to them. There's the, he sees cracking the safe as like an art. Like it's you know it's something he's been working his whole life to be a part of. And this safe is one of a kind. There's never been one made like in the world. Like that sounds interesting on its face, but ultimately they give the guy like a pistol because he's not any kind of com- like he's not any kind of combatant. They don't train him or anything. And he's wearing like a t-shirt and he's just like following him around with his little gun. And like that's kind of his role throughout the film. Like he doesn't really get to do a whole lot more. And that's what's so frustrating. You'd think with all this screen time, you'd have much more interesting plots and engagements and characters. But you just don't. They're just kind of flat and kind of bland. I got a couple other fun things I want to say about it before we jump to to, to uh, recommendations. Andy, any other big thoughts before I jump in? It was just some goofy facts about no, this movie. Go, go ahead. So there's a couple things people have noticed in this film that are worth mentioning before we wrap our review. Number one, if you're watching this film in 4K, on a 4K screen, uh, streaming in 4K on Netflix, you'll notice this film features dead pixels right in the middle of the movie. Uh, Apparently, a lot of the safe cracking scenes were shot with a camera that had a dead pixel or a couple of dead pixels in it. If you watch this in HD, you won't see it. If you watch it in 4K, you will. People are on, on the internet like, how did Zack Snyder not see this? There's dead, there's white pixels in the middle of the frame. Like it's small, but you can Google it and go check it out. I didn't see that in my screening, but doing some research later, that's when I found it. Number two, I noticed some things in the film that don't make any sense that are never resolved. And I looked it up. These are real things in the opening of the film. When we have kind of our initial zombie outbreak kind of thing. At one point in the sky behind a bunch of soldiers, you see two UFOs. They fly away, never come back, never mentioned again. Why are there UFOs in this movie? Additionally, at one point, Zay Batista shoots a zombie and it has a robot face. Never mentioned why there's a robot I, zombie. I saw a couple of the I didn't I, I think, I think there's more to... than one. I saw I one don't... for sure, but I, I Googled it later and people were like, why are there robot zombies in this movie? And there's no explanation. I don't think it was supposed to be a robot. I think it was supposed
1: to just be like I don't know. Their blood is blue or something. I think it was an effect thing and it ends up looking like like some sort Uh, of Terminator zombie.
0: The one I recall distinctly, it looked like he shot it in the face and part of its face peeled off and it had like a blue metal Terminator-like skeleton under it. I was just like baffled. And I I looked up later and people were like, yeah, what's with the robot zombies? No explanation. There was an actor that was replaced in this film. There were subplots that were cut out in editing, and it still manages to be too long. You know, at the beginning of this review, I said there's things in here worth talking about. There's things in here that might be worth watching, and I'm not so sure. Andy, you ready for recommendations? I am. Andy, would you recommend Army of the Dead?
1: I'm going to say Hard Pass with a few caveats. If you're if you're a fan, if you're a big fan of the zombie genre and you want to see what this is all about... um you might check it out. I would definitely skip like the first hour. Like watch the opening scene <laughs> and the credits and then just skip to like the 70 minute mark yeah. because like they're trying to you know they they're, they're trying to actually again Inception they're trying to set up some sort of emotional baggage between Dave Bautista and his and his daughter and you know a couple of other and it's just like we don't care. We di- it's it's like Godzilla vs Kong. We just want to see the monsters fight. We don't care about it, any of the characters. Like we 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 don't need to ha- them to have like backgrounds or, or sad this or that just give them some personality and go like we don't need all this and it, it just drags on so long there's all these subplots with like the you know someone trying to sneak across a border these girls in this refugee camp uh, ulterior motives of different people on on the team and it's just like it adds so much um so beca- because of all that i would skip like the first hour this legitimately you won't be lost and then watch like the last 90 minutes I <laughs> uh, and then okay. skip it if if that's too much for you
0: yeah so I'm in a similar boat pass I mean unless you're a snyder stand man unless you're here for whatever Snyder does and you love his creative vision sure I mean if you're a a monstrous zombie fan go for it I still think you'll be disappointed if you're if you're like the biggest zombie fan and you're like I watch every zombie movie ever I think this one's gonna be low on your list it's just dull it doesn't uh, and I wish I could say more. It looks so exciting. Army of the Dead. Dave is in it. Zack Snyder's new movie. Now, it doesn't check any of those boxes. Uh, the setting is boring. The pacing is dull. The 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 plot is lame, and the characters don't do anything exciting. The the violence isn't particularly exciting either. I think Snyder needs to be reined in, man. I really do. That or my hot take: Give Snyder like, I don't know. Give him 500 grand, give give him half the budget of your OG Saw movie and tell, tell him you got to make something that's 90 minutes long and coherent. I just want to see what he cranks out. I think it'd be a good exercise because he keeps trying to do this big, epic, grand scale stuff and it is a, it falls flat on its face every time. Before, he could blame it on Warner Brothers. He could say, oh, Warner Brothers is the reason these, this, this Batman movie doesn't work. Warner Brothers is the reason this Superman movie isn't that exciting. It's their fault. Now, this is him. He shot it. He wrote it. He directed it. It's bad. Okay, that's. I, I, I want to know what's next. I I gotta know what's coming next from Snyder. That's it. That's that's it. Army of the Dead. I not not worth your time. Yeah. What a what a and disappointing on, zombie movie.
1: Yeah, and honestly,
0: even if it had had a
1: lot of action, like two, you can't do that for two and a half hours. You can't keep up that that pace. No. Like, there's no way this would have been that interesting, you know? Unless you did another. I, you know, I was reminded of a lot of heist movies. I was also reminded of American Animals. Uh, which we reviewed. Uh, it was the last year, or the year before, which is also a heist film and, involving yeah. uh, college-age uh, kids trying to steal this book of paintings. And what's interesting about that is that it's not so much about the heist; it, it's all this stuff about like the disillusionment of of American youth and this kind of nihilism that's inherent in all of them. So it's like it's about this heist, but it's also about like this other thing. So that's maybe another way you you could go. Uh, but th- there's a lot of ways you can do a heist film and this doesn't do any of them Yeah, well. it
0: it really doesn't. Uh, American Animals, by the way, much, much, m- I, I would way recommend that movie over this movie. And American Animals isn't perfect, but it's much more interesting and there's much less violence. So take, take it as it comes. Yeah. Yeah, that's Army of the Dead. And that's our show this week. Uh, Andy, what are we watching next week? Next week, we, for
1: the first time in a very long time, we are doing two theatrical films releases my god uh, it's been over a year since we we've done something like that um because of the the pandora's box and so this week Express. we <laughs> we have two uh, big releases uh, first is a quiet place part two the sequel to the 2017 i think big uh hit uh from john Kras- krasinski starring emily blunt and oh i can't remember his name now uh killian thank you uh, and this that this is out in theaters only, uh, starting this Friday. I'm excited to see that. Um, Zach, not so much. You know, <laughs> I,
0: the first one was okay, but it was gimmicky. The whole thing was jump scares the movie. I need more from Quiet Place 2. But I'm going to try to go in with my expectations low. Hopefully I won't be disappointed.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good family drama wrapped in, in tension and that. The other big release is Cruella, the 101 Dalmatians a prequel film starring emma stone and that's going to be a hybrid release out in theaters and disney plus for a hefty 30 dollar fee and that's also out uh this friday
0: that'll be good because i can almost guarantee i watch cruella at home because i have like between my family i've got like six or seven people on a wonderful disney plus accounts family account and uh they can all watch it so for 30 mm. bucks for you know a bunch of people to watch it makes sense you should charge Andy- them We'll probably, I know, right? Yeah. An extra dollar per or something. Uh, Andy will probably watch it in theaters. So I think we'll get a good divide on Cruella. It'll be fun. It's going to be a fun show. And, uh, you know, if you enjoyed this show, of course, you can subscribe to Offscript on your favorite podcasting platform to hear more episodes every single Tuesday. You can follow us on Facebook where we live stream the show every Tuesday as well, right around 5 o'clock CST. A little late this week, but it's okay. It worked out. Uh, we're on YouTube where we post our episodes every single week as well. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You can go follow us over there. The best way to get a hold of us, though, is to send us an email at mail at And, of course, check out our website offscriptfilm of for interviews, Real, episodes, and additional stuff. Yeah.
1: Real quick, how long do you think Cruella is? I just looked it up. Take oh a guess.
0: Jesus. It better not be longer than two hours. For sure. It better better be like a hundred <laughs> minutes. No, not even a hundred. It better be like seventy-five minutes. It's two hours, fifteen minutes. Ah dude, there's no I guarantee the pacing of that movie is a problem. I guarantee it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Andy, and I got a problem in movies that are longer than two hours, man. Like it better be good if it's longer than two hours. Um, I mean,
1: most movies don't have two hours of content. They have like ninety to a hundred minutes, and then two, fill, two fillers, So
0: How long is Quiet Place Two? Place Two. I, it. I gotta know. Ninety-seven minutes. There we go. All right. Now we're talking. Perfect. Maybe Perfect. I will like a Quiet Place Two after all. Yeah. <laughs> Movies are not quality of a film is not based on how long it is. I got to remember that. Anyway, if you enjoyed the show, the biggest thing you can do to support us is just subscribe. Just subscribe to the show to get new episodes of Offscript straight to your phone every single week. Movies are expensive. Podcasts are cheap. Subscribe to Offscript to find out what movies are worth your time. Uh, You can also rate and review if you have the means. I mean, if you're bored, you can hit five stars down there and move on. You can write us a little blurb. We'll read it on the show. Maybe it's good stuff. And of course, uh, if you want to know more, subscribe, follow us. All that good stuff. I think I mentioned all the socials. I think that's got it. I think that's it for Offscript Film Review this week. Uh, From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis.
1: And I'm Dr. Draper.
0: Thanks for watching.